This is the Ezra Podcast, and I'm back after a week break, and I feel re-energized, like I feel good about where I am with this podcast and where boxing is, and it's just exciting. It's exciting to see where we're going with the sport, with everything. It just feels like it's just taking off, like boxing is just hitting its stride, and there's a lot of great things happening, and there's another great matchup this week. Last week, it was a lot of stuff thrown at us. I don't know if there's a lot of great matchups thrown at us, but it was a lot of stuff thrown at us. This week, it's not a lot of stuff thrown at us, but it's just a good matchup, and you know, I just want to welcome you to this is the Ezra podcast, like how I started off. I have a, um, you know, let's go with the new logo, but you know what? I'm wearing the beanie today, so let's keep it accurate, right? Let's keep it accurate with the beanie. That's what I'm saying. So I, I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm pulling the little tricks out. You know what I mean? You think I was going to come with, you think I was going to come unprepared today? Take a week off and I'm going to come unprepared for this fight? No, no, no. We got to talk about a matchup. We got to talk about Beartiviv versus Joe Smith Jr. And uh, the poster has them underwater, and it's called Deep Waters, right? And I, I don't get it. I, I think that they, they could have ran that one back, right? I came up with some new ideas. Uh, run that one around the circle, uh, around the think tank one more time. But in a matchup that really, uh, I think a lot of people are pumped for. I think a lot of people expect an all-action fight. I think people are expecting a devastating stoppage, and I think that's accurate. I think a stoppage is accurate. I think that's a good ex- expectation. I think a um, I can't see this fight going to decision. If this fight goes into decision, I would like to see what the decision odds are for this fight. Because I would think that would be like the biggest upset of the night if this fight was decision. More than Joe Smith even just winning the fight would be this fight just going to decision. If Joe Smith wanted via decision, it would be even more insane. But I don't really see this as honestly a competitive fight. Now, to break it down like what it's going to look like, you know, Bertovev is a very skilled fighter. He's a, he, he could box. He's looking to land his power. He's looking to make his power effective. But he's he's very good with the space. He's very good with his timing. He um, has a good jab, very strong jab. He has a good check left hook. Very, very, very tight with his punches on the inside. Like, he's very tight. Now, he usually stays very controlled usually allows his power to uh, do damage over time, doesn't have to go full out on stuff to really get the power. Let's say, you know, he has true power. He could just kind of touch you. In the one fight that, you know, that would you would have to refer back to to see if, you know, to make a case, I think, for Joe Smith to win this fight is the Colin uh, Johnson fight. And in that fight, Bertrand kind of goes out of control. He kind of looks for the knockout, kind of takes some chances. He's really going for it, and he gets caught, and he gets dropped in that fight. He would have to give that to Joe Smith in this fight. He would have to give him the space that he needs. He would have to give him the territory. Because if Bertrand just allows himself to be patient, to pick his shots and break down Joe Smith and make him feel those shots and make him have to earn his space, I don't think Joe Smith can earn that territory. I really don't think so. I, I, if you look at the Joe Smith versus Bivol fight, he does not have the footwork. He does not have anything creative. He does not have anything to really get in. He's going to go with, you know, uh, two jabs, like the one hard, one soft, or one soft, one hard, and then overhand right. And a lot of times, even when he gets on the inside, he overshoots it, especially if you're making him work for it. He can't cut the, uh, he can't work with your footwork and tell the range or tell the space he needs. He just doesn't have that kind of talent as a fighter. And when his biggest win against Alvarez is that Alvarez allowed that. If you see that Alvarez does a lot of things where he just falls against the ropes with his, uh, the guard, uh, 
his guard up against his ears, the, the his gloves up to his ears, and he allows for that space. He doesn't make him earn it. He doesn't give him anything to really test him going in. Like you know, this is what I'm, you feel this to come in. What are you gonna do when I do this? What do you? What's your counter to this? What's to make you make another move? He never makes him do that. So Joseph just kind of is able to punch his way in and able to work on the inside. And Bishop is not going to do that. And if, if he did that, would be by his choice. It would be by his mistake. But he has the skill and everything to not allow that to happen. He has the skill to keep the space, to keep his distance, and be able to pick his shots when he wants. That's what I think happens in this fight. Joe Smith is, I guess, a good story, right? I guess he's the uh, underdog, a true underdog, a, a labor turned world champion, beat Bernard Hawkins when he was 50 years old, uh, beat Funfora, um be Alvarez and he just kind of always had that you know underdog mentality and underdog role in fights where he ends up pulling it off and he's the guy that you know Hollywood would make a movie on if, if we're being honest and you know it's just it's a story that Hollywood likes so it's a reason why this fight has a little bit of buzz to it but I just see I think that we're going to get in there and you're going to see uh one-sidedness in this fight for Beard of Iv and you're going to really tr- see, truly see the skill difference and really what Joe Smith is and uh, maybe no one really wants to say it. It's just a puncher's chance. But a lot of guys have a puncher's chance. I think he just might be a famous guy with a puncher's chance. Kind of. In the scenario. I think Bitterbeer wins this fight. I think he does a devastating fashion. I think with around the third, fourth, and fifth round. He really starts putting on Jill Smith. And Jill Smith has a good chin. But I think that the damage is going to start to add it up. And I'll take a seventh round stoppage in this fight. Now, the, where do you where do we go from here for Beard of Biv? I really uh, want to see Bavo, of course, but I don't think that's possible. I don't think that um, any fights across the street are not possible. I think the yard fight, which is his mandatory, I believe, after this will happen. I believe that then after that, you would have to see where Beard of Biv's contract is or Bavo's contract is with Matchroom to see if they can really make that fight make sense. I don't know what kind of ticket seller Beard of Biv is for top rank. And we're going to see what Bavol is. If he can't get the Canelo rematch, what is he for matchroom? And maybe if they're not, you know, the ticket sellers that they, um, like an, another star or not a guy that's going to bring in a lot of money revenue, just fighting, you know, their mandatories, maybe one of the guys will lend him to the promotion. That That's where usually that happens. It's like when you don't have a really big money maker and you're like, okay, I can afford to lose him and I'm a, I can afford to take the gamble of he, him going over there and winning the fight and then bringing the titles back, being undisputed and bringing that back. So maybe that's what this ends up leading to, but I don't see that happening next. I think Anthony Yard will come up. I think that's a honestly a more interesting fight than Jill Smith, in my opinion. I think Yard has natural ability, uh, speed and power to, you know, especially Beard to be getting older, you know, who's I believe 39, 40 going to this fight. He's, you know, there's going to be more chances, opportunities there for a guy with that kind of speed and natural uh, power and just gifts like that, that he, maybe he can, you know, catch Barry Biff and uh, hurt him and, you know, upset, you know, be the upset, be the upset it and then see where they can go from there. So I think that's an interesting matchup, but I don't expect Barry Biff to have a really tough matchup in this fight. I think it's going to be entertaining because it's a guy that's hard hitting and he's looking to put on a guy that's, that's hard hitting. Right, but I just don't think it's competitive, and I think people saying fight of the year. I don't see that. I do not see that. What could Joe Smith do to make this a competitive fight? Like I said, I don't think he has the physical abilities to really do it. That's the thing. It's like I don't mean to put like a damper. I like to build up these fights and everything. I just don't see what Joe Smith the physical abilities he would have to do that. I mean, he would have to land, but 
that's one thing, you know, like, oh, he doesn't have physical ability. He hits really hard. What are you talking about? Of course he does. He can just hit this fight and just end it with one punch. But you have to get to that punch, right? At that level, you got to... What are you doing to land that punch? What is he really going to bring to the table to land that punch? He leans too much to his right, his right side. He's going to just do his two jab in and overhand right. And I just don't think that that basic thing is going to do anything to better if it's not something it's something he's seen, you know, throughout his fighting career. It's just really basic stuff. And Joseph's legs are very sloppy. Like it's just not good enough to for to keep up with better keeping the distance. So that's what I expect for this fight. On the undercard, we have Abraham Nova versus Robisi Ramirez. In a really interesting fight, and the best fight of the night is the co-main event because it's it's an even matchup. It's competitive. It's two guys that are on their way up. They're not. They're on the right there to being contenders for world title. And uh, Ramirez, who beat Shakur Stevenson in the um, amateurs, Abraham Nova, who's been on a, a decent run and has you know, as a young career fought at 135, he's working his way down in weight. Now he's at a 128. And uh doesn't happen often, right? It doesn't happen where a guy starts off at heavier and then works his way down. But that's what's happening here. And Abraham Nova's going to have a pretty uh, decent size advantage in this fight. I think it's going to come off, like, really clear when you see him matched up in the ring. Ramirez is going to be the more skilled fighter, in my opinion. I think the, the southpaw, good legs, good uh, understanding of timing, distance, Picks his shots really well. Has really good eyes in the rink. And Abraham Nova is going to be the guy with, I think, at least more uh, explosion, power, even probably possibly more speed with his hands. So it's going to be more physical ability versus, uh, you know, somewhat bull matador, but this bull is is skilled as well. He just, you know, I think uh, early on Ramirez is going to be able to move around. Uh, Abraham, and I think he's going to walk him into shots. I don't know if he has the power to really hurt Nova. I don't think he does. So it would have to be a consistent performance through 10 rounds. I think that's where it kind of could get interesting, right? Because Nova, I think it's going to be able to land in this fight, and he's going to be able to um, be able to match at least physical ability with Ramirez. So that means he'll be able to land shots. And I don't think Ramirez has faced anyone to the level of Nova yet, not even close, in his pro career. And I don't think... Nova maybe hasn't fought anyone that skills Ramirez, but he's fought higher level competition. I think he's more proven at this point of his career. So that's why it's a very interesting matchup. Like I said, Ramirez, I think, can outskill him in this fight. Could win his best chance of winning a decision. His best chance is using his skills, moving around in a circle, walking uh, Nova into shots, picking his spots, and getting out of range as soon as possible, as soon as he lands. Now, Nova's going to look to chase him down. He's going to look to land a straight right. He's going to, uh, you know, he keeps his head in center line a lot of times. He, he's not the best defensive fighter. leaves himself open for shots, but he's really explosive. And he can explode into shots. He, um, if you put yourself in a bad situation, he will act fast on you in that bad situation. So I'm expecting Ramirez to win this fight. I think that he, it's going to be some shaky moments for him later in the fight, but I expect him to win a lot of early rounds. I expect him to just really walk around uh, Nova and make Nova, you know, kind of his points just kind of just have him looking at him because he's trying to figure out the range and maybe exploding from too far away. I can see Nova doing that, get a little impatient. But as the fight goes on, I do think there is moments where he will land. I think there will be spots where Ramirez probably ha- possibly has to hold. We'll have to take rounds off. But he's going to be able to pull off a decision in this fight. And I think that puts Ramirez uh, 
in a really good spot really quick in his career. It's only going to be his, I believe, his 11th fight with the win over Abraham Nova. Either guy winning this fight is going to have some good opportunities, especially because Toprak has some guys in the weight class, especially like a Navarrete, uh, right next to Shakur Stevenson, who Ramirez already has a history with. So th- th- this is a interesting matchup. It's a great matchup. It's, not, it's a matchup we don't get often in boxing. It's like two prospects both fighting each other to see who's going to become a contender. It doesn't happen often. I think this is a very interesting fight. I think it's going to be a very smart fight. I don't know if it's like, if you're not interested, like the, the X's and O's of boxing, I guess, it might not be the most interesting fight to you. It might be uh, kind of boring, but I think this, you're going to see some very smart things and very skillful things for Ramirez, and I think he's going to bring the best out of Nova. I think they might both bring the best out of each other. Like I said, I'll take Ramirez's decision in this fight. Nova's got to really be able to use his range in this fight. And he's got to be patient. He can't get frustrated in this fight. He's going to have to stay consistent. And he's going to have to find ways to touch Ramirez and put himself in a good position, especially if he can get Ramirez against the ropes. And that's going to be a key part is cutting off the ring and forcing Ramirez in the, the corner or forcing Ramirez against the ropes where an opportunity where he can explode and Ramirez is a little bit stuck on where he can go movement-wise. That's going to be a key for him in this fight. Like I said, I'm taking Ramirez in this fight. I think this is going to be the best fight of the night. Now, I'm only 13 minutes in here. Like I said, it was not the most uh, to offer here in uh, boxing this week, but there's good quality, and I really believe that. Storylines, Charles was supposed to fight this weekend, had to pull out through a back injury. I see people criticizing because there's a video of him at the club. I don't know what people want from people, uh, from fighters. Uh, To me, Charles, I've never heard, I have no knowledge, I've never heard any rumor of him being lazy, uh, not a hard worker, or anything like that. So one 20-second clip is not going to change my mind on Charlo, right? It's not going to make it, oh, look at him. He's lazy or look at him. He didn't want to fight or he just pulled out for some other reason. Listen, from all I know, he's always been a hard worker. He's always been in the gym. He had a back injury. I don't know what you want from him. I don't. He's not going to be like in Batman where he's just hanging on a rope, you know, for 40 days. It's not going to happen, okay? He's one out. That's fine. He could enjoy himself. He's, all these fighters have personal lives. They get to do things. He wasn't doing anything crazy. He wasn't doing backflips in the video. He wasn't riding a skateboard or anything like that. So I'm going to uh, not let this one 30-second clip really affect my thought process on Charlo. I don't think that he's suddenly lazy or running from a Selecki fight or, uh, you know, having troubles in camp or anything like that. I don't think that. They just had an injury, and it's best not to go into these fights with any injuries. You know, you're risking your life in there. Um, so it's best to go in 100%, especially... Charlo, who's looking for some big paydays, you know, uh, why take that risk against a guy like Selecki, who is, you know, uh, could give you some problems, right? He's not a guy that doesn't know what he's doing in there. So that makes sense to me. Now, I did hear a lot of opinions on Charlo as far as, you know, uh, him not fighting top level competition. This is Jamal Charlo we're talking about. This is the middleweight Charlo. And I think that that's fair criticism. Now, a lot of the times you got to realize that the promotion makes a lot of the decisions for the fighter. A lot of the matchmaking, a lot of where he goes next in his career is due to what the promotion can bring to him, right? And if he has a deal with the promotion, he can't go anywhere else. So he's got to just take what the best thing the promotion can bring to him. And right now, the best thing they, that 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 his current promotion right now, right, and his current management team with PBC gave to him was Selecki. Now, why wasn't Charlo or why wasn't Adamus? You can have your, we can have our reasonings for that, whatever it was, but that's just not the direction they went. Now, this is a brutal sport. It's unforgiving. I think that you should, 
a fighter should make the best decisions for him to make the most money. And if it's if that decision to, you know, the paycheck's no different to fight, you know, some risky guy or a guy that's just a uh, mid-level. I can't fault you for taking the, you know, mid-level guy. I can't. Right. If you can make money with a less riskier fight, I can't fault you for that. I can't fault you the decision making. Now, if I'm uh, as a boxing fan or as a uh, person that does a boxing podcast, I can't be critical of your of the opponents you face. I, I can't be. That, that's a fair. And you can't tell me, well, no, you know, he made this. But that's fine. That's beyond the point. We already said that's a good move. That makes sense. OK, I get why you did it. But I'm going to be critical that you haven't really fought anyone. Now, there's no one on his side of the street to fight, but there is Adamus and Lara. And why weren't they considered in this fight? Why weren't Adamus and Lara considered in this fight? Right? Why was it Selecki? Uh, Adamus and Lara are, you know, they fight on PBC shows. Selecki doesn't really. He's uh, he's up in the air. He, I've seen him fight on DAZN. I've seen him fight HBO. So it's he's not even a PBC guy. He's not even one of the guys there. So why wasn't it that guy? Now, I'm not saying Charlo did it. I'm just saying that I would have felt better about this matchup if it was one of them. Now, I understand that he tried to fight Canelo. It makes sense, of course. As he massive payday, big opportunity. Try to fight Canelo. Oh, okay, I, I, I get you. Canelo went a different direction. And then he did try to fight Munguia. But the, I feel like the Munguia fight was never really going to happen. Because, of course, Golden Boy was not going to give up one of the only three key pieces they had to, you know, to make a fight for Showtime without them getting any really revenue back. McGee getting paid, but not them getting any really revenue back for their investment, return on their investment. So that's why you see that them trying to push a pay-per-view. Now, I'm not going to credit any of them for that. I don't think it was a realistic fight. Now, I'm sure Charlie was up for it. I'm sure McGee was up for it. It's rarely the fighters that are not up for it. It's usually a promotion. But at the end of the of Charlie's career, we're, we, you know, if we look back where we're at right now, are we really going to be like, oh, well, you know, he was great. He just... You know, just never had the guys on his side of the street, or he never, um, you know, he made a lot of money. So he, we're talking his boxing career. As fans, we're talking his boxing career. We're talking about what he did in the ring. And right now, in the middleweight division, it's, it's nothing. I'll be honest with you. Like uh, Dervichenko, okay, okay, but everything else is is it's not it's not great. And Selecki's not adding anything to that. So. I mean, Alara would be better at least, right? Uh, Adamus would be better. And at least, I honestly, I think you could probably make a case that maybe those are notable wins, right? There'll be notable wins for Charlo. But it's okay to be critical of his career if, because that's what we're going to do at the end of the day. Now, if he makes all that money, I'm happy for him that this is a brutal sport. If you can make all the money you can, you should. And if you have to do it with taking less risk, like I said, I'm good with that. But we can also, it doesn't mean that it can't be critical on the other side and say, you know, who is he really fighting? And he hasn't fought anyone. And no one in the middleweight division has really fought anyone. But the truth is, and maybe people don't want to hear it, is, you know, most likely the best win in middleweight is going to be Golovkin over Murata. And I know people want to put down who Murata is. But that's probably going to be the best win in middleweight. And that's with Charlo, Andrade, Janabek, and Mangia. It's hard to blame people. I understand that people are all, you know, different side of the street or whatever. But we just kind of sometimes at the end of the, no matter what, at the end of the year, you're going to have to go with just the end result. You know, the biggest fight this year is, um, or at least the best fight that could be made this year is Terrence Crawford versus Earl Spence. Now, that fight could have been made last year, right? Like 
you know, they, they were two top guys last year and the year before that. Now, we didn't say at the end of every one of those years, like, well, really, you know, they fought, um, you know, they were across the street. So let's make, you know, let's excuse them for these things. No, we didn't. We were very critical. We said they got to fight each other. They got to fight each other. What do they got to do to get this fight done? They got to get it done. So let's be critical of the guys at middleweight. They got to get this stuff done. Now, Golovkin fought legit guy. I mean, if whether you want to say what you want, I don't know how who you can have over Murata at middleweight. They would take him out of the top five. I, I can't see it. At that point, he was a top five fighter. It was. Even if he took a long break, it don't matter. Pacquiao took a long break. Earl Spence took a long, long break. They're still top guys in that weight class until proven otherwise. Murata was still top guy in the weight class. Now, like I said, top five at middleweight ain't top five at you know one fifteen. It's not, but it was still top five middleweight. You just can, in that point you gotta you know just judge what the middleweight division is. That was top five. That's gonna be the best one in middleweight. So I do want to see Jamal Charlo finally get a fight. Now I don't know if it's fair to say, oh, you gotta go to one sixty eight. I, I don't know that that's fair because some guys just have a cap of where they can go, and maybe one sixty eight is not gonna be any good for him because at one sixty it's not like he's had devastating power at that weight class. So and I think he's the kind of guy that really depends on power. I really think he needs his power to be effective for him to be a good fighter. So him going to 168, I think, could be a lot of trouble for guys like Benavides and Plant, who are big, solid guys for 168, especially Benavides. So it's hard to say, like, oh, you should go to 168. So I get I get the counters to all these arguments. I get the, like, you know, the excuses you almost want to make for Charlo, for why he's in his position. But at the end of the you got to realize that at the end of his career, we're only going to judge what's on paper. That's, that's just the truth of it. You're only going to judge what's on paper. When people do the Hall of Fame, they don't do all these other things with like the context of where he was and why he didn't get these things. No, they're not going to do that. They're just going to say, who do he beat? What did he accomplish? That's all they're going to do. And with Charlo, it hasn't been anything in a while, really, at middleweight, if we're being 100%, 100% honest. Guys, please follow my uh, follow me on Spotify Please hit the like button. Please uh, subscribe on YouTube. Like I said, you, people, you know, you go to YouTube. I mean, you go to anywhere. We go to a supermarket, and they're like, "You want to give a dollar for this charity or anything like that?" And, you know, that takes time and a dollar from you. I just want a little bit of your time. Just hit subscribe, hit the like button. That helps me get my numbers up. That helps me get more awareness to uh, bring more awareness to more boxing fans. And honestly, if you've listened, come across my channel, right? And you don't follow me on Twitter or anything like that. You just came across me talking boxing. If you leave this without subscribing, you'll possibly never run into my page again. And you're going to be like, Who, what was that guy's name? As War, as Raw, as Tog. You're, you're not going to find me ever again. You subscribe so you don't lose me. I'm going to talk boxing. That's what I do. You want to talk boxing. You want to hear boxing. I'm going to come with the takes. I'll come with hot takes. I'll come with medium takes. Some ice cold takes. I'm always going to break down fights. I'm going to talk every week on this. I took a week. I took one week off last week. That was the first week I took it off in probably a year. If you guys want to hear some boxing talk, I'm going to do it. And I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to consistently do it. I only have about five consistent listeners right now. And I'm still consistent every week. And I'm studying and all those things. It ain't going to stop. Please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple. I'm on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. Just type in Ezra. I'll come up. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.